welcome to the Good Bad Real Estate Podcast. I'm Joao Rivera with my wonderful co-host. Sasha Hernandez. And today we want to talk to you all about something we've been hearing a lot when we've been going on a lot of listing presentations lately. And that is, what are my options, right? And we want to talk specifically today about one option that might make you a little bit more money. So if you have a property and you're looking to sell and you know what? After you run the numbers, it still doesn't make much sense for you to sell right now. You still have other options. Um, one of them is going to be you can rent it, right? And the second one is you can short-term rent it. And that's the one we're going to be focusing on a little bit more today because there's a lot of conversation out in the field about how you can make more money doing something like an Airbnb or a VRBO, right? These are just uh, companies um, that are supporting you in your short-term rental. Sasha, what do you think? I like Airbnbs. I don't know too much about it. So why don't you enlighten me? Because I know how to rent them out <laughs> for my use. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I'll start off by mentioning that we... The conversations we've had is that every single time we go to a listing presentation, right, Sasha, we we kind of go in not only with the intention on listing the property, um, along with providing the information that's necessary for the seller to make the best decision possible for them, right? Yeah, not, not all the time is right. um, selling the best option for them. We have to look at their individual case and see what's the best thing for them and just lay everything out for them on the table. That way they can make that educated decision. Absolutely. And it's not about us. Like that's the one thing that we, you know, have in great common, which is why we co-list so many properties is we go to different listing presentations and we have no, like the ideas that we want to walk away with a listing and be able to reach that seller's goal but we're totally okay walking away and just knowing that the seller made out with the best possible scenario. So I just want to bring up a, a frequent story is that I actually had have a landlord who I, you know, first time we met, we walked the property. This is exactly what she wanted to do. She wanted to rent it out to someone um, because she lives out of state. Um, so this is what happened. We had, we were on the market for about a week. Uh, we were getting different type of feedback regarding price, uh, location, but we were also getting a lot of great feedback on how great this would be for a short-term rental. It is in the, you know, it's in Davenport, Florida. So, I mean, we're talking like 20, 30 minutes away from the Disney theme parks and all that good stuff. And so she actually, I was thinking about it, but she actually reached out to me and she said, hey, do you know anything about the short-term rentals, like I might want to do something like that. And I was like, in fact, I do. Why? What do you know? What do you want to know? And we started to, there were two options that we started to look at. The first option was for her or for us to be able to, you know, get it all set up for her as agents. We were going to help her out. We we're going to get it all up and running on Airbnb and the other sites and pass it along to her, right, for, for a fee. The other option that we had was finding her what's called a short-term or um, Airbnb kind of arbitrage person 
And if you don't know what that is, if it's your first time hearing about it, it's almost like, let's say, an investor. Okay. Okay. And an investor, what they're doing is they're pretty much coming to you. Sasha, let's say you own this house. You want $2,500 a month for your home. Great. I bring you over this investor who's going to run the numbers, right? To just double check. Okay. If I pay the rent of $2,500, if I pay the utilities along with anything that's, you know, all the other expenses that come along with, with a rental property. Okay. And I Airbnb it for more money. I can make the difference. So in this case, it would be for for you as a landlord, it would be a traditional renter, right? Mm -hmm. They would still need to qualify all those good things. Make sure that you get your deposits, all that stuff. The difference is that when you're creating your lease, you're allowing this person to do something called subleasing which allows them to kind of sublease that your property out to others. So not necessarily are they living on the property, but they are. Renting it out to to other people who want to be there for a short term. Right. And in the example I gave you, if you were charging $2,500 a month and they made, let's say, four thousand dollars that month then guess what that investor after paying you and some expenses took in maybe a thousand bucks in profit now when we're talking about these investors these arbitrage kind of specialists that i I like to say you know a thousand dollars doesn't seem like tons right but when you don't need to own the property this is where the you know you can um invest in real estate without buying property this is an example of that where you don't have to buy this property, you're leasing it. That is a great example because a lot of folks, especially young folks these days, I'm noticing it's it's kind of spreading around that it's very effective, especially around these kind of um, resort style communities yeah. that this is a great way of making money. So these investors have like 20, 30 of these properties that they're doing at the exact same time. So they're worrying about, you know, managing the property and Mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, when someone checks out, they get the next person checked in, all that stuff runs smoothly. Okay. One of the things that I've talked to a lot of the the sellers um, and landlords lately is that that can be a, there's some pros and obviously there's cons, right? The pros are you have someone who might be maintaining your property a little better than a traditional renter who's there for an entire year. Why? Because they are subleasing your space out, which means every time someone leaves and then someone new is coming in, they go in there, they clean, they get that place ready, they get it spotless because they don't want bad reviews on any of these sites, right? So if you think about it that way, you have someone who's literally maintaining your property, sometimes on a weekly basis, like, we're talking like cutting grass, wiping windows, um, making sure the trash is out, making sure everything inside is freshly painted, making sure Can they that- come to my house? Yeah, I know. My house? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really, um, I get really excited around it because I see the benefit that if you're an investor or you're a home seller and it's you want to pass along to someone who's going to take care of, of your property, if that's your main worry- then I say that is a great way to go about it. Now, obviously there's cons, right? 
you never know who's going to be in your property because they are the ones deciding who comes in and out. Right. So there, there are, you know, there's good and kind of rough crowds out there who might come in and can do different things to your property. Now, places like Airbnb and these other vacation rental companies typically always like to, will have like a, um, an insurance policy in case that was of, my next question. Yeah, so how they, does uh, insurance work then? Yeah. So they, they will go through that that person would have to file the insurance if some if there were to be some damages. For example, so that, the person leasing your space would be the one to file that with them to get whatever, you know, it's damaged fixed as a result of the people who are staying. Would that be like a typical um renter's insurance or is there like a specific one because that i don't know yeah no that's a great question so you have it for the landlord themselves like let's say in this example you were the landlord you you were the owner of the property you would want to make sure that your home insurance Mm -hmm. was covered for rentals and i've seen some insurance companies cover short-term rentals as well so there's different policies that you can go around and shop for however in addition to your home insurance, right? Airbnb, VRBO, these other third-party companies that are typically used for, you know, renting out the space through your 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 investor that's going to be in there, they will get an insurance with Airbnb or VRBO, whoever they're using, separate. It's almost like they're getting their own renters insurance, but it's because, you know, if you look at the news, if you look at the news, there's a lot of um, there's been cases where some people rent out an Airbnb and then they throw a huge community block party inside your house. Right. Like, you know, you have no control during that part. Right. It's like they come in, they're on vacation and suddenly there's a blast out on social media. There's a party happening at this house and it's not their house. And some people wow. don't care. Yeah. So there obviously there are going to be cons as well. But yeah, we've gotten a lot of this, these requests from sellers lately. Um, I mean, it's a good way to make, to at least cover what expenses you may have as a landlord. And is it guaranteed that you'll get your monthly rent? Oh, I love that you brought that up. Um, So, okay. It's expected, right? That you are, uh, let's see, again, you're the landlord, I'm the investor, and I come to you and I say, hey, or I'm the arbitrage specialist, and I say, hey, I want to rent out your space. This is my intention. This is what I'm going to be doing. Uh, we're going to agree to $2,500. We're going to do a 12-month lease. And uh, I'm obviously, I, I furnish it all. I do all of that. I'll take care of the property. Are you good with me? You might, you say, yeah. Absolutely. Give me, you know, give me my security deposit. Give me your, your uh, advance rent, all that good stuff. We're all good. We got a signed lease. That's, this is one of those things that gets really tricky and not, not really, it's actually pretty black and white, right? So once you're in a lease, you have a commitment to make that you have, you have a commitment that you're going to have to pay that rent every single month, whether you make money or not. Right. So for the landlord, it would be like a traditional renter. Someone would sign the lease. You have every right, no matter you know how little, how much money, 
the the investor makes on your property, that is not your problem, right? Okay. You make what's on the lease and that's supposed to be guaranteed. Mm -hmm. That's what's on a, you know, on literally a signed contract. So my traditional renter would be this company and they're supposed to pay like everybody else. Correct. Right. Um, and again, for those of you who are, who are listening and, and probably even watching us, I'm, I'm not an attorney full disclosure. So find out about that in your state. Um, so I'm not getting hate mail later on telling me <laughs> that I was providing <laughs> that information, but traditionally, once you sign a lease, it's signed, it's a commitment, you sign up for 12 months, that's your obligation as a tenant, right? In this case, that tenant is responsible for paying that rent. So okay. what I have seen, okay, what I have seen out in the in the world of real estate is that typically, if you're a good investor or you're you have a good arbitrage specialist, they are planning for those rainy days or rainy months because no matter what market you're in, even here in Central Florida, we do have definitely a slowdown in in visitors that come throughout the year. As much as everyone's like, Disney's got to be popular all year round. No, trust me. I go to Disney in months like November and like February, like before spring break, because there's a lot less people out in the parks versus like in the summertime, right? So though, if you have someone who's good, they're going to plan ahead so that when those months hit and let's say, again, the rent's $2,500 and they made $2,000, guess what? It's still going to pay the full amount of rent because they know in the summertime, they're going to make up their money, right? Okay. And so, so it's expected, Um but sometimes you might have someone who's a little bit inexperienced and then they don't plan for that. And guess what? Now you're the landlord. Now you have this investor who's telling you, hey, I'm going to be late on rent or I'm not going to be able to pay rent this month because I didn't make enough money in the bookings, right? Which again, you as a landlord, that's not your problem. Mm -mm. You have a contract to receive that rent monthly. Now I have a question. Go for it. When it comes to utilities, who covers that? Do you go over that in the main contract or does the investor cover those utilities as well? Because, you know, some people, they'll leave the TV on all night or all day, the light, they'll run the AC. Yeah. You know, how does great, that yeah, another great question. In fact, I've, well, I've been working on these uh, a few deals right now that are, you know, I'm trying to find an arbitrage for them. Um, that's the main question I get from the investor. What, oh. what, if any, are utilities included, right? Because anything that they can offset to the landlord, they want to do that because they don't want to be worried about if the electric bill gets too high that month because someone left the TV on or the air conditioning on, even when nobody was in the house. Or, you know, if you can imagine a high turnover of, let's say you have a five bedroom house and you have 10 people in a house on vacation and you're booked out all month, guess what? Your water bill is probably going to be pretty high. Everyone's showering, people are washing clothes, all those different things, right? Traditionally, I see that 
the landlord doesn't want anything to do with that because they also see the same risk. <clears throat> so they normally pass along to the investor, like no utilities are included. What I have seen to be included are things that are a requirement that need to be done. For example, the pool maintenance, right? The landlord might say, I want to make sure that gets done every single week. If, whether you could pay it or not, I need to make sure that that pool doesn't go bad, right? Yeah. So they will typically pay for the pool maintenance. You also have your HOA. I wouldn't want, honestly, if I if I, if I owned the property and I had an HOA, I wouldn't want to leave that on my tenant because if you get- I might um, get paid. Yeah, if you don't pay, if, if your tenant doesn't pay your HOA, I mean, you can literally go into foreclosure with your HOA, right? And they can take over your property. So that's something I wouldn't leave on the tenant. I would take that on. Um, but those are the two most common of fees that I see that they keep. But in terms of utilities, they typically will, will kind of, you know, offset it to that investor or that arbitrage specialist. Heck yeah, because that might be, oof, that'll be a scary bill. Their bill comes in. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe two, three hundred dollars for light. It's like a thousand. Yeah, yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that what's coming across lately is that everyone will assume that, you know what, I can, if I do this with someone who's an arbitrage specialist or an investor, that I can charge them more money for rent, right? Like they'll say, I'll charge, you know, if it's, if you want 2,500, you, you say, Hey, I'm, I want 3000 because I know they're going to Airbnb it. And I know that they're going to make four and $5,000 off my property. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but they're not taking into account all the expenses. I mean, if you got to furnish a place right, and get well, all of those things set up and then some Airbnbs, you know, they have the nice little glasses of wine and a, a wine bottle for you, all those little things, right. you know, that adds up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is that when you look at, if you're looking for a Airbnb or like a short-term rental arbitrage specialist, you got to understand where they're coming from too. They're just like an investor. If at the end of the day, there's not enough like fat left on the bone for them, it's not worth it. No matter how beautiful the property is. And there's so many tools out there. And I'll put one out there that I've used with with clients all the time. And it's airdna.com. I'm not being paid to to mention them at all. So, I mean, just a free resource out there. If you go to airdna.com, they have a lot of free features. And you can literally type in the address of a property. And it will tell you. It'll tell you. And it pulls all this data from all the different um, sites that do short-term rentals. And what it'll tell you for your specific address is it'll tell you what is your average nightly rate for your amount of bedrooms and bathrooms. Okay, so it'll say, okay, roughly, you know, and every single day of the year is not the same price. If you're gonna be doing this, you don't wanna be charging the same price all year because things change. Um, Just like hotels do. Yeah, right. Just like hotels do. you won't be doing that, right? But it gives you it gives you that average per night. And it also will tell you what is the gross amount of income that you can make on that property on that per night basis. 
What I love the most about that assessment is that to the right of that, it tells you how much occupancy rate you can is expected at your property. Okay. And by occupancy rate, you got to assume that you're you're gonna be, you know, let's say you Airbnb for 365 days, like that your property is dedicated for that. They will give you a percentage saying, you know, 80% of the year you can expect to be booked because of the demand in that area. And so the thing is, yes, when you do that math and you come up with 365 days a year, you're like, oh, wow, I can make a really good amount of money, way more than what I would if I were to charge 2,500 bucks, let's say. But when you really get the value out of that occupancy rate, and most of them are low, most of them are 50, 60% of the time, which means in one month, about half of that month, you'll probably be booked. And the other half, you're not going to have anyone in there paying you anything. So sometimes when they do all that math, it's just not worth it for an investor because it comes out to the same amount. If anything, they break even with the rent. And mm. don't forget, they're also managing this property. So you got some sort of property management happening because they're checking in folks. They're checking out folks. They're... um you know, they're maintaining the property, they're cleaning it, uh, they're doing all the work of essentially using your home like a hotel room, right? So for a lot of investors, they'll come to you and they say, wait, I I need to get below market rent. Like I need to be able to pay below market rent. So if you want $3,000 or, or you want a 2,500, but you want to charge me 3,000, no, I'm going the opposite way. I need you to charge me 2000 in order for me to have some wiggle room in order for, you, for me to even make money to take on that property. And for some landlords, th that they're okay with that because you know what? They'd rather have a good tenant in there. It's going to pay them rent consistently. Um, and, and that reassurance is worth more than, let's say, a couple hundred bucks, right? Mm -hmm. So- Different options there, um, but I hear that often that people want to charge more. But here's the other thing: I have another couple, fantastic people. They're 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 wonderful. Um, they're probably hearing listening to me right now um, on here. But they were considering selling the home, and we provided them comps. We we you know we we did our thing. We showed them you know, what their options are. We we looked at how much they could possibly get per month, how much they could possibly get um, in short-term rental if they were to go that route, and then also how much the home would sell for. And, you know, when you look at those numbers, you have to really consider also the management if you're going to do it yourself. So they were considering, oh, we can do this ourselves because we're not going to be far from the property and we don't have to pay a management company or someone else to come in here and clean. Like whenever someone comes out, we can come and clean it and take care of everything. So in those scenarios, you can see yourself saving a little bit more money and kind of profiting from it as well. So you don't have to do one of those short-term arbitrage specialists. You can just go that route yourself if you have a good size home. And again, go to airdna.com, type in the address, um, find out 
you know, find out what it looks like for your property, you'd actually be very surprised because I've done this for areas in Central Florida where everyone's like, everyone here is coming here to go to Disney. And then when we look at their areas and then we actually pull up Airbnb to kind of verify that data, um, it's actually pretty low, you know, for either how much they're charging per night or their occupancy rate, which is the most concerning. Now, are there certain guidelines that you have to meet in order to Airbnb? Like, I don't know. Yeah. What a guideline. Like, I don't know if there's like a certain square footage or if, you know, there has to be, it has to be built in a certain year, things like that. Is there anything like that? Well, it's funny you bring that up because there have been, and this is, where if you are a real estate investor or there's a lot of folks out there who say, hey, I really want to get into real estate investing, but I don't want to do a rental. I want to do the short-term rental because that's where everyone's seeing the big bucks, right? Like instead of making $2,000 a month, I can make 4,000, right? But they don't see a lot of the work that goes behind it. And also like, again, it's, it's all about finding the right property that's going to have that income. Um, the scariest part about that is that you have one of your biggest challengers, and that could be your own municipality. Your own municipality could be the one to say, hey, thanks for buying that property. By the way, we've changed our rules and uh, you can't do Airbnb and you can't do Airbnb anymore, right? For example, right here where I live in our town, Airbnbs are not allowed, like not per my HOA, but per the city, the city doesn't allow uh, any short-term rentals within our city limits. So sometimes that's not even, that's not even the current standing, right? Like you could buy a property that allows Airbnb, right? And then five years down the line, if that city saw a lot of problems with short-term rentals or you have areas like ours, you know, Orlando's full of um, short-term rentals. However, you do have these big name hotel companies that are fighting Airbnbs, right? Because they're taking business away from them. And all it takes is for the city to make one decision to say, by the way, this is the new law. You cannot have short-term rentals. And there goes your entire business model and the reason why you invested in that property. So um, in terms of requirements, you don't need, as far as I'm concerned, and this is something you want to verify with like Airbnb or VRBO or all these other wonderful uh, third-party companies, they might have their own specifics on what there needs to be. But I mean, oh. I've seen it. I've seen it. If you go on Airbnb, you'll see it all. I've seen log cabins in, oops, sorry. I've seen log cabins in in the woods i have also seen like a tiny home that you can rent out i have seen like small apartments i've seen one bedrooms through i mean you see it all so i don't really see them having such a strict guideline around that um i think it's, it's gonna just be what more... the city allows and stuff like that yeah yeah it's gonna be what you're gonna want to find out what your municipality is allowing you to do and then like really just making sure that it is something you want to do um, because these websites 
are all dedicated and use your reviews. So if you're going to get started to do it halfway and you're going to get, you know, midway reviews of three stars, two stars, I can guarantee you that you're not going to go far. You're not going to be doing it very long. Um, we're kind of living in that that era where everything revolves around the reviews. And I, I, I'm guilty of that myself. I don't buy anything unless I read reviews and, and find out, you know, other people's um, opinions on it. But uh, yeah. So would you recommend maybe going through one of the companies before you branch off on your own so you learn what the gist of it is before you jump in? Are you speaking from up from this from a seller's perspective? From a seller's perspective, yeah. So like if I was thinking about it, I'm like I want to cut as a seller, you know, or landlord, you know, you want to cut corners and save as much as you possibly can. Right. But when it comes to the Airbnb world, you know, your ratings mean a lot, just like they can rate the people who stayed there as well. Yes. Exactly. So My, what would you suggest? Yeah, I would suggest the first thing I would suggest is first run the numbers. Because again, even if you're managing yourself and you're not paying someone rent for that spot, right? And if you have a mortgage, you want to make sure that your expenses are covered in addition to all the maintenance that you're going to be doing. And I always say that it's great if you're local and your property is going to be local that you do it, try it out if you can for six months, you know, do it, experience it, see what it's like to manage working with your guests that are, that are checking in, manage the complaints. Let's say the washing machine stopped working or something happened, or we need more towels. It, remember you're essentially operating a remote, a remote hotel room. So you will get calls saying like, Hey, the internet's not working, things like that. I think it's great experience for an owner to have that if they can do it. Plus they are going to be saving money. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the like what route to go because most people say, oh, I'll just get a management company to do it. Well, what most people don't know is that your average uh, property management fee is roughly 10, 11, 12%, right? When you're you're talking about a, a traditional one-year lease rental kind of thing for them to manage your property tends to be that 10 to 12% of your rent, by the way. They're going to take that 10% out of after they collect your rent or before. It's just that's where the money comes from. Um, whereas I have seen short-term rental management companies charging double of that, almost 20, 25%. And again, rightfully so, they're turning over that unit sometimes four, five, six times a month for you, right? If someone just stays for one day, guess what? They still got to turn over that unit for the next person. They can't just say, oh, there were only one night. We're just going to leave the sheets on there. They're going to they're gonna have yeah. to remove everything and do it all over. So they do charge a premium. So that is a great way to save some money if you're looking to keep as much money as to manage it yourself so you're not paying that 25% to someone else. Oh no. I personally would probably just hire a company because you gotta manage the um, booking and you gotta 
clean up and make sure that everything is up to par and complaints and stuff. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, if you, if you're kind of starting it off um, and you want to get your feet wet and and try it out, then I always say it's great to experience it. In fact, I think when you go and get a management company, I think you appreciate them a little more because you know exactly what they have to go through. Um, Mm -hmm. But exactly, it's exactly what you're saying. You're going to, you have to do not only the maintenance of it all, but you're going to have customer service. You have to be available to pick up those phone calls. You're going to have to do all those different things. And um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that sometimes, sometimes if the numbers are right, it will work. And sometimes even while you're managing yourself, you might be breaking even with all the extra work. Like it may not be worth it. And that's when you do look into a traditional rental renter um, that, that's going to come in and stay there for an entire year. So again, making sure you're finding what works best for you, right? Um, as a seller or landlord, making sure that whichever decision you go, whether you go traditional or whether you go short-term, you really want to run the numbers. And I mean, I think that's where we come in. If you're listening and you're you're kind of like, hey, can you run some numbers for me? Like, obviously there's no obligation. It doesn't matter what state you're in. We can run some numbers for you uh, with no problem and send it your way. Um, and we can connect you to someone in the area if you if it's something you want to move forward with. But yeah, reach out to us if you have any questions on that. Um, I love, I love, I mean, I don't know if you can hear it. I absolutely enjoy speaking about short-term rentals. Um, so it, it is, it is always a pleasure to anyone who reaches out to talk more about it. So Sasha, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Nope. When are we getting our next Airbnb? I know we got to get one. We got to get one go. investment <laughs> property, but again, we got to make sure the numbers work. That's the important numbers piece. work. Yes. Like any First investor for any investor, whether it's buying or renting, or or to buy a property to rent out. You always want to make sure the numbers work. Um, Got to make that profit. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who are listening to us on the podcast, if you would be so generous, and if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Um, And if you're watching us here on YouTube, we're really happy to see you uh, and you're hey. seeing us. You see our excitement, you see our enthusiasm as we're doing this. And again, this is, we're talking about the good, the bad and the real and real estate. So, you know, let's keep it real moving forward. If there's something you want to hear or learn more about, reach out to us at podcast at goodbadrealestate.com. And then we can uh, make sure we address it at one of our episodes. Right. Yeah, for sure. Let us know exactly, you know, what you want to hear and leave us your reviews. Only the good ones, though. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm Joe Rivera with my wonderful co-host. Sasha Hernandez. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.